The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. Once again, this week is no exception. Today, we're going to talk about defeating sad. What do I mean by that? What is sad? Sad is seasonal affective disorder. Do you ever get the kind of winter blues or kind of down in the dumps once we hit daylight savings time and it's towards the end of the year and there's so much stress and there's so much pressure and you've got all those holidays lined up and then you've got December, which has so many different holidays in there. And for me and for my family, we had a lot of birthdays in December, including my own. That adds up the pressure a little bit because a lot of presents have to go around there. And it's just by the end of the year, you can get burned out, and then there's less sunshine. The point of sad is it's seasonal affective disorder, and it's usually because you don't get enough light. And one of the cures to it is using light therapy. So we're going to talk to the world's foremost expert on sad, seasonal affective disorder. His name is Norman E. Rosenthal, MD. He's a really wonderful man. He does great work. His book is called Defeating Sad, Seasonal Affective Disorder, A Guide to Health and Happiness Throughout All Seasons. And it's really straightforward book. It, it, just, it very clearly describes what is sad, how does it work, who gets it, what are the symptoms, and then what you can do to combat it. And it's pretty straightforward. Get some exercise, get outside, get sunlight, eat a proper diet, have some goals and uh, things that you're looking forward, forward to and striving for, and then light therapy. You can get light boxes and things like that. But we're going to get into all of that with my special guest, Dr. Norman. E. Rosenthal here on Guys Guys Radio. I know I mentioned for me, December, I always find I'm pretty much toast by the end of the year. I don't know why, but throughout my personal history, I've always had a lot of stuff happening towards the end of the year. Obviously, with 2023, everybody's had stuff happening. But for me, there's been a lot of personal upheaval also. Um, I lost my mom a couple of weeks ago, and that just kicked everything into overdrive. And so there's a lot of stress this holiday season for me and my family and loved ones. And uh, I always uh, recall when I was growing up, my birthday's like right before Christmas, like three days before. And people would ask me, oh, do you get like the short end of the stick? And uh, actually, in this case, it was a good thing. And it is a good thing because I usually get a little celebration and some presents before Christmas, and I never got uh, kind of cheated out of uh, presents, even though, and as we should know, the holidays and Christmas and Hanukkah and whatever, Kwanzaa, whatever you, whatever you celebrate uh, is not about the presents. It's about the love. It's about family. It's about connectiveness. It's about humanity. But of course, in our commercially driven world, We're all about the presents. And you could see with everybody out there, you know, so interesting, Black Friday used to be on the Friday after Thanksgiving, and everybody would rush to the stores and at 6 a.m., and they'd line up and then burst through the doors. And now 
it's online. The sales start like at the beginning of November. Black Friday begins then. It keeps going right through Cyber Monday and right through the right through the end of the year. So I guess that eases things up a bit. But everybody's all about the materialism and the presence, and that's just the culture we live in right now. So it's up to you to decide how you want to deal with that. So my special guest to dealing with the kind of sometimes depression that comes in at the end of the year, even though it may not be chronic, but a lot of people get down in the dumps, they get the winter blues, and the, it gets darker earlier with daylight savings, and we're going to talk about how we can combat that with my special guest, Dr. Norman Rosenthal, right here on Guys Guys Radio. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, guys, guys, radio, it's the interview portion of our show. And today we're going to talk about SAD. What is SAD? It is Seasonal Affective Disorder. And we've got the world's foremost authority on it. Joining us today, his name is Dr. Norman E. Rosenthal, MD. He is the premier thought leader on the subject. And we're going to talk about what SAD is, how it affects people, how you can combat it. And the name of the book is Defeating SAD. Seasonal Affective Disorder, A Guide to Health and Happiness Through All Seasons. And the other thing I love about what Dr. Rosenthal, my special guest today, is doing, he's written a lot of books about um, all aspects of uh, transcendental meditation, um, how poetry can kind of keep you on upbeat. Uh, He wrote another book called Winter Blues, but he's a world-renowned researcher and psychiatrist who led the team that first diagnosed really seasonal affective disorder and pioneered the light therapy that goes with it. He's a best-selling author, again, written books on adversity, uh, another one called Supermind, um, Poetry Rx, and he's also an executive coach and a very popular public speaker. I'm delighted he's on the show because there's so much information here, and this is the perfect time of year to talk about seasonal affective disorder. And without any delay, my special guest, welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Dr. Norman Rosenthal. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, let's start right at the beginning. Um, For those who are not aware of what SAD is, what is it and how did you get involved with it? Well, it turns out that human beings are more seasonal than was generally thought. Uh, One of my early patients with SAD said, I should have been a bear because bears are allowed to hibernate. Humans are not. And that was really prescient in that it turns out that there is a sizable number of people who, when the days get short and dark, don't feel so terrific. They begin to overeat, oversleep, gain weight, withdraw from friends and family, and be just less functional, less competent. And the totality of these symptoms can cause people to be really depressed, uh, stay at home, break up relationships because it's too much work for them, and pretty much bad news for anybody who's got it if you don't know what it is and what to do about it. How did you first um, determine and what inspired you to become such a thought leader on this and do such a deep dive as you've done over the years? I mean, you've been doing this for like 40 years. You are probably the world's preeminent expert on SAD. Well, when I grew up, it was in South Africa, where the seasons were very mild. There was a lot of sunshine around, and sad was the last thing on my mind. And then I came to New York City, 
and the daylight savings time change occurred. And one day I'm walking out of my office and all of a sudden I'm hit by this wave of darkness that I've never had before because it was the first day after the, the time change. And I felt a sort of chill come over me. Um, and that was the beginning of my first winter in the North and realizing that I was not the same person. I was slowed down. I was not as effective. I thought back on all the things I'd undertaken in the summer and thought I must be crazy to have taken on all that stuff. And that went through the winter. And then when it passed, I thought, now, what was that all about? That was a fuss for nothing. But it happened three times until I came down to the National Institute of Mental Health here in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, where I joined a team that was working with mood disorders, rhythms, and light. And that's when the whole story came together. We found a person who had the seasonal problem much worse than I did, exposed him to bright light during one of his winter depressions, and bingo, out he came. He was great. And that was the beginning of what became a four-decade study in this particular condition, which I named and uh, have studied ever since. Okay. Uh, a few just level set questions for you. Um, uh, you said New York City. So is, it, is this, a, is this phenomena um, more skewed towards people in uh, northern climates in the northern hemisphere? I know that the suicide rate and the depression rate is higher in the, some of the Scandinavian countries, even though they're, they have a lot of happy people there. Um, do you think uh, it's definitely related to, is it the weather also, or is it just the light? Well, the weather and the light go hand in hand. But I think the further north you are, the more darkness you are exposed to. And also, from place to place is going to differ. So some places are very cloudy, for example, around the Great Lakes. And those people are going to suffer more maybe than people in the plains or people on the mountains where there's more light and more snow. And so I think it's an, a mixture of the day length and the amount of light combined together to cause the symptoms of SAD. And doctor, do you think that culture also plays a factor in this, the, the American fast pace of life and the stress, and particularly in some of the big urban centers like New York um, versus uh, other places around the country and also around the world where there's more uh, work to live versus live to work type of mentality. Is that a factor that uh, co coexists with SAD? Is there a, a, con a connection there? Definitely, there is. And when people ask what are the causes of SAD, I say three things. You've got a biological loading for SAD. Uh, there's a lack of light, like in the winter, and then there's stress. If you are stressed on top of these other factors, like if you've got to keep working all year round uh, and just as hard and keep your numbers up, make your, your living and whatever, um, that kind of stress coupled with these other factors can push you down into the doldrums. You know, it's amazing. Uh, we were just uh, back in the New York, New Jersey area, and we went to Rockefeller Center. I, I lived in New York City for over 30 years, and I took my wife and my young son 
up to uh, Rock Center to see the tree. It was the first weekend. And I have never seen a bigger crush of humanity in that area. And as joyful as the holidays you want them to be, there was no joy. It was just people holding up their phones to take photos. And I'm wondering, did the holidays uh, factor in sad? Is it uh, something that actually makes people sad instead of joyous? You know, there are so many factors at work. Holidays can be very stressful. Uh, but the other thing is maybe New York City's changed a little bit in recent years since the pandemic and mm -hmm. since the various other things. Um, I did spend my first three years in this country in New York, and I remember visiting many, many times what a joyful place Manhattan yeah. is. Yeah. I, I have not been quite as familiar with it in recent years, but some people tell me it's not quite the same. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't want to get off subject or anything, but it is, you know, it is a factor after the uh, pandemic. I noticed each time I would go back like once or twice a year, the vibration seemed to shift a little bit. Uh, this is as close as it's been to be back to normal. How mm -hmm. I was back about a month ago. However, with the holiday crush on, I didn't find it joyful. It was very stressful and people were grumpy and, um, you know, people are great, but in, in this type of situation, when there's so many of them and you're just crushed all the time, it was just a, a, a stressful situation. So let's shift a little bit. My, my my special guest is Dr. Norman Rosenthal. We're talking about SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder here on Guys Guys Radio. You mentioned light, and that seems to be the key word with uh, measuring uh, SAD, treating SAD. Um, how do you do measurements uh, for people to know if they have SAD? And then how do you prescribe uh, light therapy for them? There are some simple questions that you can ask. You know, when the seasons change, do you feel a change in your mood? Do you feel a change in your appetite? Do you gain weight? Do you need more sleep? These questions have been established and you can add them up. And in fact, I have the table right there in my book. And you can sort of self-diagnose to get a good picture of whether you are one of these people who are having difficulty in the winter. Some people may not even need that, that list. They say, yeah, that's me. But um, it's there if you want to measure it. People like to measure things. And then um, you really then need to say, okay, I've had this. What was I like last Thanksgiving, the one before? Christmas passed, and you'll realize that there's this pattern that starts maybe September, October, and gets worse as the uh, December comes and stays with you through January and February. And only when the spring comes do you feel a lightening of your mood and your spirits. And that is a very characteristic pattern. And then, of course, you, once you made that diagnosis, then you can start thinking about, well, what can I do to make it feel better? Now, everybody goes through some of this every year where uh, I've never personally been affected by sad, except uh, it's dark out. I don't like that. I like the sunlight. I like, but I don't get, I don't get depressed. I just kind of mm -hmm. deal with it. I'm not anything special. I'm just a person. And this is how it impacts me or doesn't impact me. Is, are there some factors um, biologically within people that make some people are affected more than others, or is it more of a psychological issue? Well, we have not isolated the biological factors, yet it almost certainly is. 
There are many studies that have been done, and some are suggestive that maybe there's not enough serotonin, uh, which is one of the brain neurotransmitters uh, that is important in mood regulation. Uh, so there are some pointers, but nobody has done a measurement and said, oh, not enough vitamin D, not enough this. It's not that simple. But I think we have to assume that there are some biological factors. And then, of course, there are emotional factors as well uh, that may be seasonal. Uh, somebody who loses his job around the wintertime for whatever reason. But mostly, I think it's a biological thing. It comes with your genetics and with your biology. And when we become smarter, we'll figure out the uh, mechanisms more accurately. As it stands, however, we do know that the light therapy can be very helpful, as can many other things. There are many other ways um, to game the system, so to speak. Um, last question on uh, just uh, why some people get it and other people don't. Can For individuals, can let's say somebody usually doesn't get it. Can you get it like one year and then it becomes a pattern? Or you can get it one year and then the next year you don't have it again, or oh, it just becomes random. How, do, how does that work? Is there any type of uh, pattern to all of this, doctor? Yes, there is. And usually you can pinpoint it. For example, if you retire from work and now you can sleep in much more easily, maybe you won't get it after you can sleep in uh, as much as you did when you were working hard. Um, or, you, you know, there may be uh, that you change your location. Maybe you were in a basement apartment and now you've moved to a penthouse with lots of light. So there are many things that can influence uh, the development. One of the most interesting cases was a man who in his mid-50s developed SAD for the first time. And I thought that's really unusual. It turned out the year before he developed the SAD, he'd had a motor accident and he damaged one of his eyes and a cataract had grown over. So he was having half of his light blocked from him. And that year he developed SAD because he wasn't getting the input. So there are many ways that it can develop. But the most important thing is to recognize the symptoms because once you've got the picture, once you've got the key, um, you can really then open the vistas for yourself. How about uh, age? Is age a factor? How about like kids? Kids are, you know, it used to be at least they'd be outdoors all the time playing around. Now, a lot of times they're on the screen like the rest of us. But um, do kids get sad? They do. Then it's not as common. They get more sad as they go through their teen years. And in particular in girls, after puberty, that's when the SAD is most likely to kick in, suggesting there's something about the hormonal changes that contributes to the symptoms. Uh, how about seniors? Um, seniors, not quite so much. I think seniors are often downscaling, uh, downloading, not um, working quite as hard as they did once. And, able to enjoy themselves more and not have to get up at the crack of dawn to go to work. And life can, in many ways, be easier for them, and that can be helpful to their SAD. Fantastic.
Okay, we're talking with uh, Norman E. Rosenthal, MD, New York Times bestselling author. The new book is called Defeating Sad, Seasonal Affective Disorder, A Guide to Health and Happiness Through All Seasons. Doctor also wrote Winter Blues a few years ago about the same topic. So you do ask some questions. You have some parameters to figure out if, if somebody has sad and how how acute it is or how deep it is. And then the defeating sad comes down to, in many cases, the use of light. Talk to us about light. What type of light is it? They say that sunshine you know, helps people keep some kind of on the happy side. Does the light have to be uh, ultraviolet light? Does it come through your eyes? Uh, what happens when you wear glasses or sunglasses if you're in a sunny climate? And then let's get into light boxes and things like that. But let's first start with the whole aspect of how uh, light is the importance of light, what type of light we need to uh, uh, defeat sad with. Well, the first thing we want to know is that it's visible light. It's light coming through the eyes, not primarily on the skin. Um, the light is often um, given out through uh, one of these now standardized fixtures, because when we started off, Years ago, we used ceiling fixtures that we would put down on a desk. Right. But now they've got these very handy lights, uh, maybe about a foot square. Don't get the teeny-weeny ones. They're often not as good. Uh, they give out white light. Um, and you sit in front of them maybe for 20, 25, 30 minutes in the morning. And that can cheer you up and give you more energy. And right. you do this more or less on a daily basis. And that is the essence of light therapy. Now, there are many tweaks that you can add to this um, that I outlined, but that's the essence. More light, regular light, morning best, proper light box from a reputable company. And um, one of the good things is that almost all of these people will take their products back for a full um, refund so that if you don't like what you have bought, um, keep the packaging, send it back. You can get as many free tries as you want. So uh, it's just a matter of really uh, being organized and applying yourself. So if, uh, for the average person, they may be feeling that they're getting a little sad. No pun intended, of course, at that certain times of year when you get into the fall and the winter and then daylight savings. If they get outside, let's, for instance... Walk to work in the morning if you're in a city and it's sunny out. Does that, how much of that can counteract the need for the light box? Or with these folks, do they need it? They need the light, to, they need a session every day to augment the, the sunlight that they already get? That's well put. You are going to get benefit from going outdoors. Um, even on a cloudy day, you're going to get some light off the sky. But um, I love go, going for walks on uh, winter days, uh, going up and down hills. You get the aerobic effect, um, and there's light coming off the sky, and that combination of the light plus the exercise is very powerful and has a very positive effect on one's mood. So going for a run in the morning might be very helpful. Yes. Yes, indeed. It would be. Now, um... Does light in general impact our moods just on a regular basis, not just with sad? The evidence says yes. The evidence says that light 
Uh, even in animals, they've shown that there are direct circuits from the eyes to various parts of the brain that are responsible for regulating mood. And um, even um, people who've got depression, maybe that isn't seasonal, could benefit from light as well. Now, doctor, if you have a, if you purchase a light box, and a lot of people now bring them to the office, which is accepted now, you don't stare at the light box, right? You just keep it next to you and you continue to do your work, or do you need to spend that 20 minute session actually looking at the box? You don't need to stare at it, but it should be more or less in front of you because the more you put it to the side, the less light you're going to get. It's going to fall on your cheeks, your ears. You're not going to get that same benefit as when it's coming straight at you. So I would say some of these light boxes are very nice because they're perched a little bit above the eye level. So you don't get the glare, but you get the benefit. Now, from your research, um, has said, is that something that's been going on throughout history, or is that more of a modern type of uh, um, malady, if you will? Well, I, I would say it has been going on throughout history, and there are documentations of isolated cases in the 1700s or whatever. Um, I have some quoted in my book. I think when you get to the um, pre-electric light stage, I think people were often... Um, staying indoors, meaning in caves or wherever, um, during the dark hours and only getting out and about during the daylight hours. And I don't think we can really comment uh, on SAD in the pre-industrial age. But um, post-industrial, yes, there was definitely SAD around. In fact, one very famous French psychiatrist named Esquirol uh, was consulted by a businessman who was who said, look, I've gone into this really bad depression the last couple of years, and now I feel it's happening to me again. And he was up there in Paris, and Esquirol said, you've got to go down to the south of Italy and stay there until the end of the winter, and then you can come back. And that was the first documented case of SAD cured by an environmental cure. That's a, that's a nice prescription. I love that. <laughs> south of Italy. Um, sadness is an emotion from a psychological standpoint. What, what do we know about uh, the seasonal affective disorder and the sadness itself, um, the kind of congruence between the two and psychologically, what does that really mean? One thing we know is that the sadness is just part of the picture. So much of the picture of what we call sad is uh, physical the low energy, the need for more sleep, the need for more eating, the focus on carbohydrates, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these things are very physical, accompanying the mood changes that occur as well. So in general, um, proper diet can impact your mood. So staying away from the processed foods, staying away from too many uh, you know, those carbs that uh, create sugar in your blood system um, and eating cleaner is uh, organic, uh, better for you and can impact your mood also. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes, I, I would. And in fact, you know, after dealing with light therapy in the book, I talk about foundational habits, the kind of habits that are going to keep you well through the winter. 
Managing your food, as we've just been discussing, and your weight is important. Exercise, meditation, um, sleep. These are fundamental things that if you attend to them, you're more likely to do well. Well, I hope we have a little time towards the end of the show, because I know you've written a book on transcendental meditation. I've been meditating every day for about five years, and it's changed my life in a very, very positive way. Because even though certain things trigger me, I'm a modern man, but for the most part, it's really made a difference in keeping me kind of above the fray, witnessing um, and staying, not getting sucked into all the drama all the time. And uh, maybe we can get into that a little bit. My special guest, Dr. Norman Rosenthal, the world-renowned psychiatrist, best-selling author of the new book is Defeating Sad Seasonal Affective Disorder. We talked about, um, uh, touched on glasses. And uh, as you know, so many of us wear glasses like we're wearing right now, doctor. Um, how does that impact the light getting through to our eyes? Because so many people not only wear glasses, they have progressives, transitionals, et cetera. Does this, is this a factor? Do we need to take our glasses off sometimes to get the pure light in through our eyes? Or is this blocked by our glasses? Regular glasses like I'm wearing, and I think probably you're wearing, are not going to affect matters. There are some that that are sort of, they, they darken in the presence of light. They are gray tint or whatever. And so once you are actually reducing the amount of light coming in, you are definitely uh, in that territory where you could be affecting the uh, the light treatment effect. So I would watch out if the if it's dark glasses or changing glasses, but regular glasses are fine. How about, I know this is kind of out of left field, but how about like a, the red laser? Some people actually shown, shine red laser into their eyes and have had shown improvements in their vision. Does this, can you know, this impact I, sad at all? I know there is a growing literature on red light but this is not something that's been studied in sad nor would i encourage people to shine lasers into their eyes um i would be careful mm -hmm. and i would stick with what's well established because you know our eyes are pretty precious things and i think we want to treat them with a great deal of care mm -hmm. uh in the book you mentioned uh two things cbt and ant could you discuss those with us, define them, and uh, tell us how you use them during in your work? Because you have a process, and it seems to be very successful. And obviously, there's a lot of common sense that goes through how we live our lives. Eat good foods, get some sunshine, exercise. But beyond that, there's uh, some other things that we should be aware of. So you use CBT and ANT as uh, some uh, techniques, if you will. Uh, CBT is cognitive behavior therapy. Now behavior, it makes sense, would make a difference to people with SAD, because we've just been talking, if you are sitting on a couch with a bag of donuts in a darkened room, uh, or in your bed with the covers over your head, that's one thing. But if you're out and about walking the hills and looking up at the sky and having a good time, that feeds back onto your mood. And so any good therapist is going to encourage her or his patients to uh, embrace a lot of 
exercise and exposing themselves to natural light. So the behavioral piece is definitely there. The other thing about the behavioral piece is we get a lot of pleasure from interacting with people, having lunch with people and doing other things that are fun, hanging out, exercising, all these kinds of things, playing golf, whatever it is. Uh, we can get a lot of pleasure from that. Now, if we have sad and we decide we no longer have the incentive to make arrangements, well, then we're doing a very unfortunate thing for ourselves because that may be the very thing we need to do. So I would say that uh, make keep your plans, your social engagements, your sporting engagements, your regular contacts with people who just make you feel good because uh, you like to be around them. Don't give those up. So that's the whole behavioral side. Pardon me a sec. <clears throat> are there um, support groups at all for people with SAD? There are. There's a wonderful Facebook page uh, that I would encourage people. It's very good. They're so helpful to people there. and. Lots of questions that you can ask and that will be answered. So um, I pop in periodically and interact with my friends. And uh, I think we all have fun and we all are also serious because we want to help one another. So, yes, there are support groups and I encourage them. Let's get back for a moment to ANTs. Exactly. Those are automatic negative thoughts. And, uh, you know, they help people to work on them. Let's say that I want to date for Saturday night. And I make a call and I say, are you available? And the person at the other end uh, says, sorry, no go. And then I can respond in different ways. I can say, well, that person is doesn't like me and nobody's gonna like me and I'll never get a date you know when you're depressed you can go along these negative chains the automatic negative thoughts a and t's or you can challenge those you can say well maybe that person has another engagement maybe that person is committed to somebody else and on and on and on. You can look for alternative explanations that don't leave you feeling like you're the most unpopular person in the world. And these are, you know, brilliant, innovative therapeutic techniques. They started with Albert Ellis right there in Central Park or one of the parks. He sat down on a bench and um, he thought, I wonder, no, no women would talk to me if I went up and talked to them. And he said, well, I don't know that. Let me see. I'll, I'll count the number of conversations I try to make and see how many I succeed. And he tried it 100 times. And guess what? 30 people were willing to have conversations with him. And he said, there you are. If I hadn't put it to the test, I wouldn't have known that three out of every 10 women was willing to talk to me. So in, in other words... They encourage people, the cognitive behavior therapists, to try things out and see what, uh, you know, what happens and expand your possibilities. 
somebody may not want to go out on a date with you for all kinds of reasons, you know. Maybe they're married already. I don't know. But in any event, um, don't jump to the negative conclusion is the bottom line. Work it. And studies done, my colleague Kelly Rohan uh, in Vermont did studies of CBT versus light therapy, and they were equally good. And the CBT had a better prophylactic effect for the next winter SAD episode than the light therapy did because people had trained themselves to watch out for things and do things that made them feel better. It sounds kind of like a, a, a combination of hypnosis and self-hypnosis. Uh, is, that, is that the case? I'm, I'm not sure it's self-hypnosis, but it's self-work. It's working on oneself. Because you're the person who's always going to be there. So if you work on yourself, you've always got a therapist at hand. Are there any uh, technological advances on the horizon, doctor, whereas you could wear maybe a pair of glasses that bring in light in a safe way to keep your mood up during the winter months? You know, my colleagues and I worked on those kinds of things, and it turns out that the eyes do better if the glasses are at some distance. Bring those lights to, um, if the, excuse me, the, the eyes do better if one's light is at a bit of a distance. If the light is too close to the eyes, A, the data isn't there, and B, it could be harmful. What, what do you think is the, the kind of success rate for using light boxes with people who have, who are diagnosed with SAD? Well, I how, think long, how long does it take also? Well, within a week, you should get an effect. That's amazing. If you only use the light box, you may only get a partial result. But if you add the light to the exercise, to the cognitive behavior stuff, even an antidepressant if you need it, you're going to get almost 100% feeling pretty good. If not 100%, they're going to feel pretty good. And that's why I've, I've used the term defeating sad, because after all this time, seeing how when you combine these two, these treatments together, there may be two or more, when you combine these treatments together, you will help almost 100% of people. That's a, an incredible success rate. And it's in all natural. Um, uh, the light box, what is a light box, typical light box? cost for somebody who want to have one at home to use just to kind of keep their mood up during the winter months? $150 or less. Mm-hmm. There's some smaller ones that are cheaper, but I think that um, they're not that expensive. And if you 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 count it, uh, uh, compare it to therapy sessions, maybe for one, two or three therapy sessions, you can have all the light boxes you need. Have you ever uh, experienced SAD, doctor? Oh, yeah. That's how I knew that uh, something funny was going on, because I had not had it in South Africa. And when I came to New York City, up there uh, on uh, 168th Street, Presbyterian Hospital, yep. um, uh, it was, I didn't know what hit me. The dark was so unfamiliar to me. And um, it was quite something. Just that visceral experience convinced me that something was going on. And I started 
adding light into my bedroom very early on and immediately saw the benefits. For uh, our listeners and viewers at home, doctor, if they wanted to do a quick uh, self-assessment before determining, hey, I have to see a professional on this, I have to get a light box, what are some of the things they can do to check, kind of check themselves? Well, I would suggest you go check out my website. It's got a scale that you can look at that'll tell you uh, how likely you might be to have uh, SAD or winter blues, which is the milder version. You know, if you get you're SAD, you mean you've, you've really got it badly. The winter blues can be mild, but even mild can be a real pain in the neck. You know, imagine you're running a podcast. You've got to be able to generate a lot of affect and personality. Otherwise, people are going to tune you out. <laughs> and so you don't want the winter blues. And, you know, or or if I'm a writer, I want my my prose to sparkle. I don't want it to be dull and people just sort of flip the page on me and go somewhere else because I'm too dull and boring. Um, so I think you don't want that. That's the winter blues because it's not terrible, but it's not nice. Then you got sad where you're actually having symptoms. But anyway, back to your question. People can go to my website, normanrosenthal.com. You'll find a lot of information there uh, and uh, take it from there. And of course, my new book, which uh, really summarizes, distills what I've learned over the last 40 years. Well, real quick, we have a few moments left. Talk to us quickly, a quick overview on your other books. Well, I love Transcendental Meditation. There's a whole story about how I got back into it again. I do it regularly, pretty much on a daily basis. It is a wonderful process to open up one's brain, take you into a nicer place, very relaxing, very good for your health. So I wrote Transcendence and I followed that up with Supermind. I've long believed in the healing power of poetry. And the book just before Defeating Sad was called Poetry Rx. That got uh, chosen as one of the eight best books of the year by the Well Group in the New York Times. Uh, it's a personal favorite of mine. My um, memoir, which is also a mix of a memoir and a self-help, is called The Gift of Adversity, How Things Often Turn Out Best When They Go Wrong, which is paradoxical, but a lot of people have found that to be the case. So uh, these are some of the books that I have enjoyed the most writing and sharing with my readers. Oh, fantastic. I love the idea, the gift of adversity, because so many times in life, something happens to us and we think it's the worst thing in the world. And there's it actually is the biggest gifts we could ever receive based on what happens. And a lot of times we don't get the things we want, but it actually turns out to be a gift also. So I'm sure you get into all of that. And uh, with transcendental meditation, quick question on meditation, and then we'll wrap it up. How important is it to do transcendental meditation versus traditional meditation? I do two types. For for example, I do two types of meditation. One, I do kind of a guided meditation where I do some affirmations. I go through some visualizations, uh, et cetera, and another type. And I kind of do it every other day. I'll just go to a place where I'm just like I'm nothing. And I stay in that nothing space. And whatever comes in, comes in. 
but I don't do transcendental meditation because I was never trained in that. What's the importance of that and is it necessary TM? Well, I think, as you say, there are different kinds and they're going to do different things. The thing that I like about TM, one of the things, is it's easy for me to do. Whereas when I've had to do mindfulness and concentrate on things, it's not so easy. So I think that that's one of the reasons why I've gravitated towards it. Uh, there's a lot of data on it. It's a very standard way of teaching it so that you know you're getting it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Uh, so that's those are some of the reasons why I've been drawn okay. to it and written about it. Mindfulness is hugely popular and has a, a huge number of followers. These come from different traditions. Mindfulness from the Buddhist tradition, TM from the Vedic tradition, um, and then guided meditations. Uh, I think all of this is good. It's all behaviors of people who are trying to become happier, better, more balanced people. How can you go wrong? Excellent. Maybe a, maybe fodder for another conversation. We'll do one on meditation if you're interested. It would be my pleasure. Very okay. great pleasure talking with you. Uh, my pleasure also, Dr. Norman E. Rosenthal, MD, New York Times bestselling author, the new book, Defeating Sad, Seasonal Affective Disorder, A Guide to Health and Happiness Through All Seasons. Thank you so much, Dr. Rosenthal. And everybody can find you at your website, which is? normanrosenthal.com. There it goes. Okay. Thank you so much, doctor. We'll see you again. And thanks for being on the show. Happy holidays to you and uh, God bless. Thank you. Same to you. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay. What a wonderful conversation with our special guest, Norman E. Rosenthal, MD, world-renowned psychiatrist, best-selling author, who first described seasonal affective disorder, SAD, and pioneered the use of light therapy as a treatment during his time at the National Institute of Mental Health. He's really a terrific guy, and I really love this book about defeating SAD because it's very straightforward. It explains what SAD is, how, how the different uh, levels of having SAD, and what you can do about it. What, did we, what was the biggest takeaway for me? It's about a good way to start is, you know, self-assessment. Do you get sad? Ask yourself, do I get sad during the, you know, the, do I get the winter blues? And if so, how bad and how frequently and how long does it last? And do I need a light box or some type of light therapy? Because it seems like the main way to treat sad is through some type of getting incremental light into our bodies, into our system. Obviously, the best way is to get up, exercise, have a clean diet, get out there, get some sunshine. But we can't always do that every day. So sometimes we need to augment it. As Dr. Rosenthal suggests, maybe you need a light box just to keep it on your desk or whatever. Things to consider. We're not telling you what to do. We're just saying this is what the world's foremost expert on seasonal affective disorder has found through his, his research and his treatment of thousands of people. So ask yourself if you think you have it, and here's some of the simple things you can do to address it. And most of them are all natural. Live a clean life. Get some exercise, get some sunshine in the morning, and uh, try to keep positive. And if you need a light box, consider, consider a light box. It might help. But Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM.
The show rebroadcasts every Sunday on KCAA at 6 p.m. Pacific time. KCAA also offers, they have their own YouTube and uh, Rumble, and we, we're going to be incorporated in all of their offerings. Right now, you can stream us, download, listen live. So we're all over KCAA, uh, Guys Guys Radio. Our podcast, the Guys Guys Radio podcast, downloads in over 100 countries every Thursday. So you can catch us wherever you consume your podcasts. Our YouTube and Rumble also post worldwide, so you can watch our interviews if you want instead of listening. It's up to you. And then on Friday, right through the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we're on UK Health Radio, the world's largest digital uh, talk health radio station in the world. It's digital. So you listen, it's online. And uh, I also write a column, a monthly column for their Health Triangle magazine. It's a digital magazine, and my column is called Aging is a Choice. And I address the kind of uh, changing, how we can change our personal narrative about aging and embrace it instead of looking at it as a time of diminishment. We can look at it as a time of growth. And some of the things that I've done over the years that have really helped me thrive um, as, as I age, I feel terrific and, uh, it's been work and it's about routine and it's about exercise and it's about eating a proper diet and having the right outlook. But there's things that we can do as we age to embrace ourselves and embrace life and live the best life possible. You can also catch more information about me and all the work we do here for the whole guys, guys brand, if you will, which is about helping men and women live their best life. On my website, robertmanni, M-A-N-N-I.com, M-A-N-N-I.com, we've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, diet, fitness, wellness, relationships, dating, sex, etc. And all for free. You just read them right there on the website, and you can download three free chapters from my novel, which is really the source material for everything Guy's Guy, because that's where it, all, where it all started. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, a novel by Robert Manny. It's been called The Men's Successor to Sex in the City. It's a sexy romp through the fast-paced world of Madison Avenue advertising in New York City. And I wrote about it because I lived that experience, and it was fast and fun and frothy, and I think you'll really enjoy it. And again, download three free chapters. If you like it, pick up the ebook or the physical book. And if you don't, you got three free chapters, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Check out the uh, reviews on Amazon, if you don't believe me. Uh, so we're here for you every week for Guys Guys Radio. I love doing a show. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. Um, and we're approaching our 600th episode. And uh, I wish you all wonderful holidays, whatever you celebrate, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or the Three Kings, or the Little Kings, is it? Or the Three Kings? I'm sorry, but whatever you're celebrating, we're here for you worldwide. And we're going to be back next week. I want to thank all my wonderful guests. I want to thank my wonderful producer, Chris, my strategy lead, Ryan. And most of all, I want to thank you, our wonderful audience who's been with me, and we keep growing and growing and growing. Get the word out there. If you enjoy the guests and content I bring you each and every week to the show, please subscribe, rate, review, follow, support us. We're there for you. Guys, guys, radio. I'm going to see you next week. Until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.